Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. In this week's episode, I am chatting to Esther Knight from Fabrics for Freedom. Esther spent many years working as a buyer in the fashion industry. She gained first-hand experience of the fast fashion industry and how unethical it was. She identified a problem and wanted to find a solution. So she did lots of research and came up with a brand that celebrated modern contemporary fashion that was also affordable and tackled fashion at a 360 approach. I'm so glad I had this conversation with Esther because I feel like I've had a lot of conversations about textile waste and how unsustainable fashion is from that angle and haven't really talked about the human side of it. So it was really good to hear Esther's take on it, to learn a little bit more and to feel inspired to do things differently. So I hope you enjoy this episode and learn as much as I did. So thanks so much, Esther, for coming on the podcast. It's um, a pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. It's going to be great. So you run Fabrics for Freedom, which is a sustainable women's wear brand. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've been trading about a year and we are um, sustainable women's clothing. We also have unisex and accessories online as well, um, a mixture of organic and recycled fabrics. Um, so yeah, um, our Instagram is Fabric for Freedom and our website is fabricforfreedom.co.uk and we really try and create products that just using clothing as an expression for change, for fairness and for freedom. So... Before you started working on this, um, I know we've spoken a little bit about you were working in the fashion industry as a buyer. Yeah, right. that's correct. Um, so how long had you been in the fashion industry and what made you want to start your own label? Yeah, so I've had about 10 years in the fashion industry itself. Um, and then obviously I've been in buying, working my way up from there um, since since university. So it all started for me when it was kind of my first job out of uni. I never really wanted to start my own business, if I'm honest. I'd, and yeah, I never really wanted to do this. But the fact was, I saw a problem and I couldn't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to solve the issues that I was witnessing and contributing to being in industry. There also wasn't really a business back then so we're talking seven years ago now that really was doing the things that I wanted to do so being fair to people and the environment but also that was it wasn't really expensive and um, we can't all afford Stella McCartney and Vivian Westwood and um, I wanted to create that mo- middle ground really that offered modern contemporary fashion so from working in industry I so before that, I worked for fast fashion companies, so worked for many high street brands that we'd all recognise. And as a buyer, a lot of people don't actually know this, but as a buyer, you are responsible for everything in a um, in a production line. So we take everything from sketch to it being in store. So everything within that process, we're responsible for. So I'm the one that's picking the fabrics, I'm the one picking the suppliers, and I'm the one that is overall contributing to the sustainability aspect of the or lack of sustainability aspect of the product so if there's an unethical part of that I tend to know about it Mm. so I've found myself I was the one that was on the phone to the suppliers when they were still at work at 3am in the morning putting pressure on them to um, reduce 
um, to fulfill their orders and um, also putting pressure on them to reduce their cost prices, knowing that it isn't going to be me as the brand that suffers. It probably isn't going to be them as the supplier that suffers, but it's actually going to be the workers. And it just really, it was quite revolutionary for me that why are we just thinking about profit margins um, and not considering the people that are making our clothes and the environment and the suffering that's going on from there. Um, so so that really led me to look, start looking into sustainability. It was always people-focused for me at, at the start because those were the people... I was speaking to them, I was dealing with them every day and, and when things like the Rana Plaza disaster happened, it really hit a nerve because I'm the, I'm the brands that are put pushing and pushing for orders to be fulfilled in time and and penalties if not and so I it was just so raw I knew um I could just see myself in that situation and I just decided I I, I saw a problem and I wanted to solve it it wasn't a light bulb moment of a new fashion brand it was this industry can't carry on the way it is so after I started looking into sustainability, I'm, I moved to Vivian Westwood and to learn more about sustainable fashion as well. And and it was just, I just spent quite a few years researching it to decide whether this was the right thing for me. Um, and just just to learn about a sustainable business. She's Vivian Westwood is, is amazing. She's always been driven by what's right and campaigning for people in the environment. So she she just says we cannot see these people suffering anymore and it's all about um, just the same ethics as me. So I really wanted to move somewhere with similar values so that I could really make a difference. Mm. So it sounds like it, it became a lot more kind of personal when you were getting to know these people and working with them on a daily basis. Did um, you ever end up going to visit any factories or things like that when you were working within these brands? Yeah, um, I visited factories. I, I, yeah, I, we're responsible for everything. We, um, yeah, we went and picked all the fabrics. We went and select, negotiated with the factories, and yeah, it's it, obviously it's it. You don't see all the horrible stuff that you hear about in the news and things and um, they do tend to hide that well from brands but you know what brands do they it, they're a bit they must know that these things go on and mm. with all the news and everything that's happening at the moment you just can't ignore it the fashion is a three trillion dollar a year industry employing over 50 million people we've got such an opportunity to make this a positive thing whereas it's just a race at the moment it's just a race to the bottom on cost and it's just not feasible um to carry on we just can't have business as usual um so it's fashion it just should be about celebrating who you are and being a positive influence um, instead we've kind of lost the value and that's what I really try and create with my brand is just bringing it back to celebrating and rather than making everyone feel guilty about sustainable fashion or not being ethical or like I don't I don't want to be negative I want to be more like in, encouraging and just mm. say look I I know what it's like I've been a buyer I've been contributing to it this is my experience I wouldn't have known this if I wasn't a buyer so now therefore let me help you to become more educated about your decisions so that we can make a brighter future yeah 
and the fast fashion model as well doesn't exactly encourage individualism you know it's it's large quantities of the same things that we are all encouraged to go and buy each season isn't it yeah exactly and it's lost the kind of individualism about Mm. it and it's there's no uniqueness I, I I this is why I started my business really is because I was under the battle of I still want to look good I love fashion fashion is everything I've always wanted to be in fashion but I I I then started to care about the sustainability aspect but that doesn't mean my tastes go overnight it Mm. doesn't mean that I can just I just wear plain clothing for the rest of my life I still want to look good and this is where my battle was that like there wasn't anywhere you could get really modern, cool, contemporary fashion that was also sustainable and cared for people in the environment. And and that's what I really try and push with my um, brand is that we're there for the customer who wants to look good, but also that cares about um, the um, in, impact of their clothing. And, and it's great because you, we can have these small production runs, we can have one-off pieces, and it just promotes that individualism in clothing. So we actually have... Um, we have two collections well no we have three collections but what it's a mix of so we've got our got certified organic cotton collection we've got our recycled collection and we've got our upcycling collection so it's about having sustainability all the way through your supply chain it's no good just having fabrics and then not factories it or factories and then not fabrics you need a 360 approach to um fashion sustainability so that's what we try and do so we have our upcycle collection which take which reuses repurposes and redesigns clothing so these are one-off pieces that people can look so individual in and it's just it's celebrating those people's styles we can you've got an option online to design your own jeans and it's all clothing that would have gone to landfill that we've rescued and then also um we've got a recycled collection that uses dead stock of the fashion industry so basically not um not a lot of people know this but in fashion for every production line for every item that's ever produced you have to order 10 percent more fabric than you actually need to fulfill the order now that is to prevent um if there's faults within the fabric and they can't use certain meterage if the grading hasn't done um if the the grading hasn't been done correctly and you actually need more it's to kind of cover and not to slow things down but that means that that 10% of every production line in every brand is wastage it's all textile wastage and a lot of it ends up in landfill and this is where we hear about the um, all the news about burning textiles and things like that this is this fabric so we take other people's dead stock and that 10% and reuse it and to bring it back into production so this means small runs I could only get five of one top or I could get 30 of one top it's all to it doesn't matter um, mm. to me it's just to ensure that we just are reducing our textile um, our textile and clothing landfill because actually 80% of textile and clothing landfill um on you that ends up on uk landfill could have been reused and recycled so that's what we try and do and i think it just promotes this individualism and uniqueness and n- you're not going to look like everybody else on the high street when you wear our stuff yeah yeah i mean i think all of us would say that we'd prefer that that we'd rather have a top that only five other people have got mm. than like five other pe- 500 other people yeah 
Do you find that um, companies are quite willing to give you their dead stock? Are they like, are they excited that it's being used? Or yeah. Are they a bit, yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, normally it's the middlemen. Um, so it's the, there's companies that take dead stock off brands and it's them. And I actually had a, I have a supplier and um, we use dead stock of a certain brand, which I'm not going to name. But this, the man that had the dead stock, the in-between guy, was so happy that we contacted them because he's so fed up of having to destroy fabric and he wants people to use it. I still don't really understand why I'm the one that's having to use up their dead stock and why they can't decide on how to use it up. But but still, that's a different topic. Mm. I'm just going to crack on and do it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they brands... They, they they don't want it to go to waste, but they don't do en- do enough to stop it, basically. Yeah, they just see it as a, a It's one of those yeah. things, basically, yeah, exactly. is how they see it. Um, but hopefully by... This is... The whole mission behind my brand is to influence and change the industry. So we're not... We, we go so much deeper than just being a fashion brand. We... I want to bring influence and I want to show people this revolutionary way of working and be like, look, if we can do it, you can do it. Because the reason I started the brand wasn't just to produce another clothing collection. It was to educate and encourage people to shop sustainably and change this industry. So hopefully by me acting this way and me like speaking about the importance of it and our our business being um, reflected um, our values being reflected we can really encourage these bigger brands to actually are uh, if if that if that company that's like four times smaller than us is doing it then maybe we should look at it as well yeah I think we can always already see that the bigger brands are feeling the pressure mm. um from the smaller brands to change the way they're doing things unfortunately in many cases it's it's not quite enough mm. or it's kind of just for the the good publicity it's maybe not as well intentioned as it comes across yeah um so I just wanted to go back to when you're at university did you study fashion no I didn't actually I did a business degree um I always I always knew I wanted to be a fashion buyer though so the reason I did a business degree was so many fashion buyers do fashion buying at uni Mm. and it's so competitive and I'm a northerner which you can probably tell by my accent which actually means that it's so much harder for me to get into fashion than people down south because there isn't fashion companies up north for Mm -hmm. us to even gain experience or intern or anything like that so I was in a stuck position of I need to differentiate myself from the crowd and I need to work about 200 times harder than yeah. anyone in the South. So so in order to do that, I decided as a buyer, which I've mentioned before, our duties, if you haven't got a good buyer in an organization, then that company won't make money because you haven't got good product in the store. We're responsible for the profitability of the store because we're the one that develops and designs the product. So I thought, well, you can't have a good buyer without knowing how businesses run and the full 360 Mm. view of business so I thought well hopefully I can kind of challenge that and see that if I understand profit margins if I understand production processes and the work and the well-being of business finance and everything like that then that will help me be a better buyer so that's why I chose a business degree and then I, I managed to get work experience in probably the only fashion company up north then and that was Barber and um, 
and uh and yeah so from there I was okay and, and then I moved on to London and did yeah. a few things yeah um, so what you said there has brought up something I haven't thought about for a very for a while. So I um, studied fashion design, and the reason yeah. why I was asking you if, if you'd studied fashion is because I found I was so excited to go and work in fashion. Yeah, and then I learned more and more about the kind of the downside of fashion exactly, and fast fashion, yeah. and I was like, what of what am I doing? What have I done? Yeah. Um, but what you were saying about um, being a northerner, I studied in Birmingham, and we were all encouraged to do work placements. And um, for me, I was very lucky because my parents lived in commutable distance of London. Yeah. But for many other students, it just wasn't possible to do an internship in London on no money. Yeah, because it's impossible. Yeah, rent is extortionate and getting living in London is extortionate. So it was so much harder for those students that came from the Midlands or came from up north and didn't have like family or friends in London yeah. to do placements people think that there isn't a divide but there's a definite divide I am living in London I love London I love the city I I owe my career to it but I would live up north if there was fashion brands up north that is where I I was born I was bred and I want to live but I have to come down here because this is where the jobs are and another reason I wanted to start my brand is I, I want to I want to move it up north. I want to hire girls that want to work in fashion that are from there. Um, oh, oh, guys, and uh, not just girls. Um, but yeah, so that's exactly it. And and yeah, and and as well from a brand perspective, I would never hire anyone that hadn't done work experience in the industry because for me personally, is that a work ex- um, attitude having a good attitude and being hardworking is more important than any degree because it just shows that you'll be good at your career and good at your job and you're prepared to work hard and so like being positive hardworking and self-motivated are some of the uh, strongest skills and you only get that by doing work experience within the industry and knowing what it's like before you take that step into it Mm -hmm. um and yeah you don't you don't get that unless you work experience so it is so hard I did I slept on someone's sofa for like six months and did back-to-back internships but yeah it's just not feasible at all um one thing as well that I will will say about the fashion industry and why I um decided to start my own business is that when people think about the exploitation within fashion everyone thinks about the developing world and all the horrific things that happen there which is so true but often the UK impact is missed and I have worked for so many organizations where I have seen amazing young people come out of university really excited to start their career in fashion and because of the horrific cultures in some organizations they're ripped apart and it's like going into a lion's den and they're so badly treated that they've lost all their self-worth they're upset they're depressed and they feel so bad about themselves because they've been put down so much and like really made to feel worthless that they just leave the fashion industry because they're like oh I just don't want to work in that Mm. environment well it's just crazy that we're able to treat people that way why why is that acceptable and every time I'd I, I would kind of challenge the idea it was that's the nature of buying or that's the nature of fashion is in like a justification if you can't hack it kind of go well yeah. well I could hack it I stick stuck it out until I reached buyer level but actually what if we made the nature of fashion to be something positive what if we made it that instead of disrespect we called 
uh, we uh, created respect? What about if we empowered people and taught them rather than suppressing them? And what if we encouraged and helped and educated? We'd have so much. We'd we'd be able to create better product. Mm. We can create. We have better organisations when people are happy and um, and people are empowered. And so this like so I'm all for nature of the nature of buying nature of fashion just has to be positive it has so much of an influence and we can really turn it around yeah yeah definitely I found especially when I was interning it was if you can't hack it or you don't want to do this job there's 10 more people exactly willing to take and your that's place. how they get yeah. away with it unfortunately yeah. because it's just so much of a demand but it's just these amazing people that could have made real difference that are just ending up suffering and it's just not it's just not a space to do it it shouldn't happen yeah well hopefully now you're in a position where you can hire a workforce and educate them and make them aware of how to do things going forward yeah definitely I mean um we we're so new at the moment that we haven't got anybody but anyone that does come on board I'm I'm just all for them I just want to be able to give people the opportunities that I didn't have and help them into the fashion industry without this horrific battle and so I do a lot of work with people and developing the CVs and getting them into into organizations as well because it is all experience at the end of the day it's so important um but I also it's got a special place in my heart to just help people straight out of university with those Mm. kind of problems yeah um when you were working um within these companies and you were identifying these problems um I feel like that's a situation that a lot of people find themselves in that maybe their career or their current role doesn't necessarily align with their um, morals or their values did you feel like there was things that you could do from within to change or were you just like uh, there's nothing there's not much I can do as an individual in this role I think it's always important to think that there is because if you the attitude of oh I can't do anything so I'm not going to bother doesn't do anything really Mm. so definitely um I um I would do everything that I could. I suggested um, all the time through. So I used to work for a high street um, occasion wear brand. And I told them maybe seven years ago, if not eight years ago, to that we should be going in the same direction as Reformation because they're going to be big soon. And everyone was like, no, no, that's ridiculous. No one will be (laughs) thinking about ethical fashion. No one, Reformation is never going to be popular and look where we are now. Mm. And so it's kind of good for me because I can say, oh, I did say that to you a number of years ago. And in every meeting, no matter whether I was going to be shot down, I would always bring up ethics and people knew that that's what I stood for. So I think it was just important for me to never compromise my ethics and be being a good influence in my sphere really and just ensuring that my character doesn't change so it my character affects my choices my mouth and my actions and it's how I act in those kind of environments and if I'm always positive and no matter how many how badly I'm treated or whatever in those situations or how much I disagree with what's going on in an organization if I ensure that I am a blessing to others and I'm I'm ensure that I'm never compromising my ethics then eventually people start noticing people notice that you're a bit different they notice that actually 
that she's a really good person you know um she and that I'm not succumbing to any negative behavior and then eventually it does influence people I've had people coming up to me that I used to work with um years ago that are like really massive campaigners for me and my business and think it's amazing of what I've done and and part of the reason is is that they've seen me they've worked with me and they know that it's all genuine and actually by me following through with my beliefs and mm. actually um practicing what I preach um has influenced them for the positive as well yeah yeah definitely so hopefully it all has a happy ending we'll see yeah <laughs> so when you decided that you'd you'd had enough or you had to do something how did you go about starting fabric for freedom like what was your kind of journey to get to where you are now yeah it was a hard journey I'm not gonna lie because as I said I didn't want to start my own business so it wasn't that oh okay I don't agree with these stuff so I'll just set up on my own I, I really actually didn't want to do that I wanted to just move somewhere where I would be happy and I could contribute positively but then I realized that actually I could do that within where I was and that fashion fashion needs us the needs people like me to be in the bad places so that we can try and turn it around Mm. so I was determined to stick it out and work my way up to buy a level so that then by the time I got to that level I can make the changes that I wanted to see so it was about five years of research and gaining my knowledge because I knew that if I so it was my first job role outside of buying that I decided that I needed to be in sustainable fashion and I needed to make fashion positive. But it wasn't until about five years later that I actually launched Fabric for Freedom. So within that time, I was researching and gaining more knowledge about the industry and what I needed to do in order to do that. Because if I had just left at buyer admin level, then I wouldn't have nearly as much experience as I have now to be able to run a business or do things like this or mm. speak about my experience. So it's really important to me to get to like near the top of my career so that I could come across with more authority. I could show that I know what I'm talking about and I can really equip myself for being able to start the business. So a lot of people don't like to hear that, that like just five years of research that is so boring and dull, but I was going to every networking event I could. I was meeting as many people as I could so that by the time I launched my business, all the foundations were in place. So I could run with it a bit quicker because it had, I had done all of that work in the background. So I'd already had suppliers, collaborators and contacts from all that time that I'd spent researching and just making sure I was the best that I could be just ensuring that I knew what I was talking about and I know it was a long process but it really needed to happen so that I could strengthen myself to be that entrepreneur that I needed to be Mm. um and so obviously you chose to because of your like knowledge of the industry you chose to set up a brand that was better and a positive influence yeah do you think there were challenges um in doing that that you wouldn't have faced if you just decided to set up another fashion label um for sustainability yeah yeah oh yeah definitely so the way it is with the design process in the industry is that you sketch up loads of designs and then you find fabrics to match your sketches However, when you're doing a sustainable brand, your design process takes probably about three times longer than it would in industry because 
you can't find fabrics to go with every design because they don't exist. The innovation isn't there. So whereas the industry, you do designs, then fabric with sustainability, you kind of have to do fabrics, then designs, because the amount of things that I want to create and I want to design, but they don't have the fabric for it and you just end up wasting your time. So you find the fabrics that you love and then you design the products that would match that fabric. And that takes a long time. It takes a long time to source fabric. There's a lot of minimum issues. Um, The thing is, because we're kind of still on the cusp of sustainable fashion, it's only going to get bigger. The innovation isn't there and the Mm. tech isn't there. So you kind of... You just ba- you just with organic cotton, really. I know there's a loads of things in the pipeline with these amazing plant-based fabrics and fabrics made out of pineapple and all of this. But the reality of it is, is three thousand minimums to yeah. get those things. So I want to be using those fabrics, but I'm a startup brand. I can't afford three thousand minimums. I'm working on a hundred minimums. So the until the tech and the innovation catches up there's always going to be that fabric battle I think that it's really hard to source fabrics and you can source fabrics I have managed to but it just takes a long long time and you can't often unfortunately create the designs that you want to create but but that's where recycling upcycling and um all comes in because to me when I'm using up recycled fabric it actually doesn't matter the composition of it because it would have gone to landfill so regardless I'm taking that so 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 yeah not everything is certified but what isn't certified what is wastage yeah which makes it easier as well yeah um with a lot of things to do with sustainability I try and work on like a good better best like scale so you know recycled plastic is like better than virgin plastic but like a compostable material or things like that yeah are better and you know like no waste at all is best yeah things like that and I guess that kind of comes back into that the fabric as well like in an ideal world you'd be able to use like organic plant-based materials all the time mm. um but you don't want these these um other synthetic fabrics going to waste they're better off being used they're better off being used and the way that we do our designs we do multiple ways to wear items as well so Mm. the idea of let's not over not promoting over consumption but if you have an item that's kind of classic and seasonless you can style it up different ways and therefore you less get bored of it less easily because you can wear it multiple ways if that makes sense so that's what we try and do with our um our fabrics and a lot of them aren't necessarily synthetics i've got nice um like um uh, wools there is organic recycled organic cottons as well so um it's a real mix really mm. um and then organic cotton doesn't have the huge minimums as the other plant-based fabrics so that's why we're able to produce an organic collect, um, cotton collection which has all got certified but yeah, that's. I think that's the main process that everything just takes a bit longer when you have to do it sustainably because you've got to find sustainable packaging and finding biodegradable postal bags took me months and months. And so, yeah, it's getting these foundations in place <laughs> before before you launch um, and that's why it takes such a long time. Mm. So you mentioned um, seasons then and that's something I wanted to touch on um obviously haven't worked in the industry for so long Mm -hmm. you you know you were the seasons are very much ingrained february september new stuff all the time 
Um, do you feel the pressure still to kind of conform to seasons or um, are you able to kind of disregard that and just trust in in seasonless clothing um I've always not agreed with the seasons I've mm. it's something that I've been saying from day one is that every well unfortunately with climate change we can't predict the weather and having coats and knits in August just doesn't make sense it's still hot in August now and like but brands from the high street are still stuck in these ways of oh autumn um spring summer starts in january and autumn winter starts in august well i'm sorry it doesn't at all now um spring summer probably starts in march and autumn winter doesn't start i don't buy like th- even think about wearing a winter coat until october <clears throat> so anyway already due to weather changes over the years the autumn winter spring summer is irrelevant and i don't understand why um everyone launches their spring summer collection in january having said that the idea of seasonless is so much better because then you can just sell it all year round obviously there has to be an element of spring summer autumn winter because you do need t-shirts and summer clothing but that doesn't mean that they the end of the season they're irrelevant it means that you can just carry them over and and so all of us our clothing is seasonless what I don't agree with is having a new collection each month and or each week um in the fast fashion in the previous brands that I've worked for there's there's about seven seasons seven different drops each year Mm. designer is different because you you, designer is pre-collection two pre-collections autumn winter and spring summer so there's four in designer but just scaling back till two and changing the timings of them is needed but ensuring that as soon as you get to the end of the season it isn't wastage it's actually still relevant and actually being a good designer means that you know what's going to be in fashion in five six years time and you're not succumbing to all these fast micro trends and actually you're Um, designing macro trends that last a heck of a lot longer so I know if I design something that's more timely and more um like uh seasonless I know that it's going to be relevant for a number of years not a matter of weeks Mm. and I think that being you need to be by being a good designer it's your job to be able to do that um so we try and focus on pieces that have more longevity longevity with the seasons as well yeah yeah I definitely don't think there's any room in our wardrobes now for things that aren't gonna last exactly yeah it's all like things that and the best things in my wardrobe are things that my grandma and my mum have passed down to me and the vintage clothing and the things that it just doesn't matter about trends anymore it's it's about personal taste and what you like and and as a designer we it's our duty to cater for that in a good way that means that it's always relevant and yes you can get this exciting piece of clothing but it's going to last you a lot longer Mm. so um obviously we talked about fashion being 360 and we've talked a lot about um fabric now I wanted to talk a little bit more about the human side of it and um your experience of that yeah um so we so I spoke about dealing with the suppliers and things but it it actually started with human trafficking because um I I've done a lot of work for charities in the past 
I used to volunteer for the A21 campaign, which is a human trafficking charity. And they deal with sex trafficking as well as other things. And I'm really passionate that it, that this industry needs to stop. The whole human trafficking industry is absolutely horrific when you get into the details of it. And um, so every time I try to volunteer at these human trafficking charities or do something to help, because it's really on my heart that I need to do something to stop this, It um, obviously I'm not trained to deal with girls or people that have come out of these horrific circumstances and mentor them and counsel them and restore them so what can I help with and it just kept coming back to finance that actually I don't have to do everything but what I could do is help fund charities that are doing these great work so that so I'd always been passionate about human trafficking and then when I started to dig a bit deeper into sustainable fashion and I realized that human trafficking was within fashion supply chains I was just like right cherry on top now I'm I'm not into this anymore so slavery actually impacts us all it's in our fashion and people are bought and traded um as um, into slave labor and actually in India I've got a statistic here in southern India over 200,000 girls are trafficked to work in clothing productions and in and in um, the U.S. Department of Labor has identified 14 other countries where forced labor is actually allowed um, in clothing and jewelry supply chains so fashion is actually the second largest um, industry that has slavery within its supply chain and it's a huge contributor to the modern day slavery issue. So the moment I found out about all of that, I was like, right, well, we're not we're not just talking about buying new clothes on a high street. This has got a dark, dark underlying problem and it's not acceptable that by empowering one nation, we enslave another. And obviously that isn't the case for all supply chains, but it's just really not acceptable that these things happen. And I just really see myself as the voice that if I don't stand up for these people, I'm free. I've got a responsibility. I know about this. So I have now a responsibility to make other people aware so that we can help these people that are enslaved. And because uh, we've got a quote on the website, if if we don't rise up, where will deliverance come from? And I just feel like I've got a real motivation to help these people and unfortunately that that can be the realities of fashion yeah that's such a shocking statistic I don't think so many of us would be like wouldn't even think about that when making our kind of um purchasing decisions no not at all and then and also why should we we shouldn't have to be thinking about all these things when we're buying clothes it's not it's it's not our responsibility I don't mm. think it's it's these com- it's companies that should be giving us prod or creating product that is okay like it should be the norm yeah. that yeah you don't expect to have slaves in your supply chain or that the environment is heavily impacted that that's the norm mm. we shouldn't have to be thinking about these things but unfortunately we've got into the situation where we have to take responsibility yeah. as consumers yeah and we have to use our buying power because until it starts affecting companies bottom lines exactly. then not a lot is going to change do you think um a lot of these brands are kind of aware of the human trafficking issues or do you think they kind of they're a bit um can't think of the word but almost like what they don't know won't hurt them I 
think it's different in every brand. I, d- I don't know uh, the ins and outs of what they know and what they don't know. All I, I know that ASOS have been working with um, uh, the U- our government to investigate issues within this, their slavery within their supply chains. But I also think it comes down to the government and the regulations. Like, why can't we just pass a bit of legislation to say that? brands need to ensure there's no slavery in the supply chains like there's little there is things that the uk government could do and um and it's the responsibility of these brands to work with the government to stop this issue um i don't know whether people are i think the more that we're talking about it the more people are aware and companies are aware but to the extent of how much they care i can't say but i do know that there are brands in on our high street that have sustainability worked into their five, 10 year strategy. And it isn't because they want to do that. It's because that's what they're doing it because of demand and sales. And yeah, it's, I just don't, I just do not know, understand why ethics wouldn't be the driving force of people's decisions, but unfortunately it's not. Um, All we can do is just speak up and say that we're not happy with it and we want to change it. Mm. so as well as that as as individuals what more can we do like where can we educate ourselves on these issues do you think um yeah well there's so much that we can do um and yeah I think the first thing is that don't um there's a real fine line between um speaking about sustainability and making everyone feel guilty and it's really important that you hit the middle ground and that it isn't coming from a preacher um perspective but it's more coming from an encouragement perspective so um when we're speaking about sustainable fashion to still try and make it positive and impactful but fear does often drive people to not want to change or ignore the issue whereas encouragement and inspiration wants people to champion that problem so I think that there is a difference and also not to um, not to underestimate what uh, what people can do um, and I've got a quote from the A21 founder of the human trafficking charity I spoke about when a lot of people do a little it adds up and it makes a difference so it's and Greta Thunberg is the <laughs> the main campaigner for this isn't she like all she did Mm. at the time was sit outside parliament and now she's created this global movement so never underestimate what that one person can do but um yeah there is there is a lot we can do we can protest with our wallets as you said refuse to buy um from fast fashion fast fashion companies and support sustainable um companies as well um the we don't actually need the amount of clothes that we have. So as long as you, what it's Vivian Westwood's met, motto of buying less, buying better, um, and make it last. So if you're buying a one-off piece of sustainable fashion rather than loads of fast fashion, it's going to last you longer. You've bought better quality. You know the impacts that that has had um, on the environment and people you can feel better about your purchase decision and you've caused less harm and it stays in your wardrobe longer so it's all about styling your clothing picking those timeless pieces that you'll be able to keep coming back to and style in different ways so by making more intelligent purchase decisions we can reduce our consumption also the way that we wash our clothes um can have a massive impact on the environment and mm-hmm. um, not using a dryer using those 
um, micro bags um, to stop the um, plastic uh, from synthetic clothing. Yeah, synthetic clothing going into the ocean. Um, Again, um, just making sure that you're checking your labels and which um, fabrics you're going for. So buying items that are made of organic cotton, um, that is because it protects water supplies and often um with organic cotton the as long as it's got certified there's a difference between normal organic cotton and got certified if it's got certified then it means that the supply chain has been investigated i had a question at an event that i was doing before and it was from a young girl in the audience and she said to me she put up her hand she said um is it? I was looking at a brand's labels, and it said, "And is it sustainable that it had forty um, percent organic cotton, sixty percent polyester?" And I said to her, "I went, what does your gut tell you?" And she was like, "My gut tells me that it doesn't. It isn't sustainable." And I, went, and I said, "You're completely right. Just by having." organic cotton as a lot of people are putting organic cotton on labeling and as a PR thing check your percentages if it's 40% organic cotton and 60% polyester it's not sustainable we need we need 100% organic cotton and we need it to be certified organic cotton and this is where we can make a real difference Mm. so avoiding petroleum-based synthetics like polyester polyamide hemp is better linen is good um obviously depending on whether you're vegan wool as well if as long as it's been um, made in the correct ways so choosing better fabrics um is actually essential in us transforming the industry because you're supporting these startup companies that are making the changes in the in, in the industry which then will help us grow so that we can make more of a difference and also things like the fashion revolution um joining the fashion revolution and asking brands who made our clothes protesting with your wallets and and just um ensuring that you're speaking out about what you're not willing to um support anymore um mps local mps at the end of the day the biggest difference is um that are going to be made is if we have government the government involved in regulations on these brands and at the moment it's not there so write into your local mps um shopping at charity shops vintage shops and and things like that as well and um yeah i think i've covered yeah a few um and going back to the human aspect of it as well it's not just the workers that are making your clothes um organic cotton is much healthier for the farmers as well that are growing it exactly it? yeah yeah it's it's so the organic cotton versus cotton is just there's so many benefits um you're not you're not in the workers aren't inhaling all of those fumes and those toxic chemicals which then affects um like the breadwinner of the family and this is how you get children going into work because the breadwinner is open to all these horrible hazardous chemicals without having a mask something as cheap as a mask for health and safety and so you end up with the child having to go to work to provide for the family so there's so much difference you can with organic cotton you can guarantee that with when it's certified that the workers have been protected and the environment as well Mm. yeah definitely so um, to finish up, I always ask my podcast guests at the end what they've read or seen recently that's left them feeling positive or uplifted about the future. Oh, put on the spot. What have I <laughs> read recently? Um, I actually read about the UN sustainability goals. I read through that just to make sure that that was aligned with 
um, we're, we're rewriting our business plan and some of the marketing materials online. So I just refreshed myself on the UN sustainability goals. Don't get me wrong. It is a very long document. <laughs> um, but I think it's absolutely incredible what, um, what those goals outline and they are very visionary they are very it's calling for transformational change and it is very very um they're very uh, high goals to aim for but I think it's it is what's needed we need to um we need drastic change and I think by ensuring that we know about what the UN sustainability goals is trying to achieve and speaking about them and trying to reflect that in our purchases is actually really encouraging that we can prevent poverty we can make a more equal society and we can protect the environment as well so it's just companies like me need to align so much more with those goals as well Mm. yeah that's great I can read them. <laughs> yeah, it is a, a long document. <laughs> yeah, I think a crazy amount of pages, but um, but it is worth the read. <laughs> it's great that you refreshed your memory on that, like as you're writing your business plan to kind of make sure it, yeah. it aligns. Yeah. So uh, obviously, it did form the uh, it forms our targets, it forms our goals. It has done from the very beginning, but you you need to constantly refresh and mm. and check yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so where can people find you and where can they find out more about Fabric for Freedom? Yeah, uh, so I said it at the beginning. I probably mm-hmm. should have said it at the end, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> so if you follow us on Instagram, it's at Fabric for Freedom. And um, our website is fabricforfreedom.co.uk as well. And you've got a pop-up coming up as well. Yes, I have. Um, I'm going to be in Shoreditch, 130 Shoreditch High Street. It's part of the Learn Design Club pop-up shop. And we're there for one week from the 18th to the 24th of November. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's great. It's been fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it really insightful think it's great timing to be having these conversations as we're drawing to the end of 2019 and coming on to the new year. Next year, let's think about how we can do things differently and take a look at our fashion habits. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and subscribe or leave us a review as it helps other people find my podcast. And if you feel like it, give it a share on social media as well so your friends can find it. Thank you so much and I'll see you next week.